Afrika Zora Afrika amka na unai and a very warm welcome to Africa Rise and Shine. This is Channel Africa from an African perspective and we're coming to you live in Johannesburg, South Africa. We're on the frequencies 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa and on 15255 kHz on the 19-meter band to West Africa as well as DSTV's audio bouquet Channel 802. I'm Lulu Gabu in studio with Jalani Tulo, Tabisolo Hoko and Figile Lingwati. In our top stories in Africa Rise and Shine at the Sawa, South Africa records largest Listeria outbreak ever, and Zanzibar marks 54th Revolution Day. In economics news, MTN Rwanda network upgrade underway. And in sports news, Zambia opened their Chan tournament with a win. But first up, the news with Jolani Tulo. Thank you, Lulu. Good morning. Liberia's Governing Unity Party has expelled outgoing President Ellen Johnson Sirleaf for failing to support its candidate in recent presidential elections. A round of poll last month was won by the Congress for Democratic Changes candidates, the former football star George Weir. The BBC's Mary Harper reports. A spokesman for the Unity Party said Ms. Johnson Sirleaf had violated the party's constitution by encouraging people to vote against the country's vice president, Joseph Boakai. He said she was seen campaigning with George Weir. Indeed, a video of her with Mr. Weir days ahead of the runoff went viral on social media. Ms. Sirleaf, Africa's first elected female president, won the Nobel Peace Prize in 2011. She gained significant popularity at home and abroad for helping steer Liberia to stability after years of civil war. Four soldiers have been killed in an attack on Sunday near the main Kananga airport in Kasai in the Democratic Republic of Congo. Main Amdath Machetes reportedly attacked the soldiers as they were sleeping in their tent. Regional Army Commander Brigadier General Marceline Osomani Isakumba has confirmed the attack but could not confirm the death toll. A large contingent of police were patrolling at the Kananga airport and churches called off Sunday services. Early this month, three suspected militia men were killed in fighting with soldiers near the same airport, the violence in Kasai erupted after a tribal chieftain known as the Kamuina and Sapo were rebelled against the regime of President Joseph Kabila was killed in August 2016. South Africa's Department of International Relations says it will go to the U.S. Embassy in the capital, Pretoria, on Monday to request an explanation of President Donald Trump's controversial statement on African countries. Department spokesperson Clayson Munyela says relations between South Africa and the U.S., as well as between the rest of Africa and the U.S., must be based on mutual respect and understanding. Therefore, Trump's comments must be explained. Meanwhile, the African Union has described obscene comments that Trump reportedly made about African countries as clearly racist. NAU spokesperson Iba Kalondo says the tone of the alleged remarks were, was especially hurtful given the number of Africans who have taken to the U.S. as slaves. To be able to make a statement about migration in a country like the United States, which is built on migration, not only as a possibly negative issue, but also one that then points out to certain types of migrants from specific countries, all of them non-white, and their desirability over another group of migrants. I think he was comparing them to Norway. 
that is not deemed dangerous in its racist overtones, it's difficult for me to explain to you why we feel that it obviously is. And finally, a former Egyptian army chief of staff will reportedly contest the upcoming presidential elections in March as other candidates have faced heavy pressure to drop out. Head of the police, uh, the policies committee in the Egypt Arabist Democratic Party, Rahabat Helal Hemida, says Lieutenant General Sami Anan has accepted the candidacy nomination by his party. Hamida says Egypt's president, Abdel Fattel Sisi's popularity, take it, took a blow after painful austerity measures saw a large sector of Egyptians falling into poverty and or economic hardships. Al-Sisi's re-election appears to be a foregone conclusion as other candidates have faced immense pressure to drop out. For Channel Africa, I'm Jordani Tulo. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorna. Africa, Amuka na Unai. listening to Africa Rise and Shine. What's believed to be the largest outbreak ever of the deadly bacterial disease Listeriosis or Listeria has left more than 60 people dead across South Africa with nearly 750 confirmed cases. That's according to the World Health Organization on Friday, which praised the response of the South African government so far. A WHO country representative, Dr. Rufaro Chadora, commended the openness of the government, which has shared detailed information on the outbreak in accordance with international health regulations. The disease can be found in various foods, such as dairy products, meat and seafood, and has a long incubation time, making it hard to identify the exact source of the outbreak. Bronwyn Cowley spoke to WHO spokesperson in Geneva, Christian Landmere. What's believed to be the largest outbreak ever of the deadly bacterial disease Listeriosis or Listeria has left more than 60 people dead across South Africa with nearly 750 confirmed cases. That's according to the World Health Organization, WHO, on Friday, which praised the response of the South African government so far. WHO country representative Dr. Rufaro Chatora commended the openness of the government, which has shared detailed information on the outbreak in accordance with international health regulations. The disease can be found in various foods, such as dairy products, meat and seafood, and has a long incubation time, making it hard to identify the exact source of the outbreak. Bronwyn Cowley spoke to WHO spokesperson in Geneva, Christian Lindmeyer. South Africa is currently experiencing the largest outbreak of listeriosis ever reported worldwide. So we know of another large one in the USA in 2011, and a bigger one in Italy in 1997. But as far as we know, this is the biggest right now, with a total of nearly 750 laboratory-confirmed listeriosis cases and already a death count of 61 patients. Could you tell me just very briefly what listeriosis is and where the risk is found? Listeriosis is a disease we mainly find in the food sector. So it is a bacteria, listeria, which you find mainly in unpasteurized dairy products, milk especially unpasteurized, in ready-to-eat foods, and even you can find it in uh, refrigerated foods, so in your refrigerator, in the food, in uh, raw meat, in uh, sausages, in cheese spread, and things like this. It is a bacteria which can affect anybody, but especially those who have a low immune system. So infants are very often a high target of this bacteria. Newborns are about 40% of the infected people. Even refrigerated food is risky. How can people prevent this risk? The problem with this bacteria is it's not showing immediately. So the incubation period takes usually up to three weeks to show. So, of course, then it's very difficult to establish where the source of this was. So you wouldn't know what you ate three weeks ago, maybe the one particular food which made you sick three, four weeks later. This is the big challenge we face in this situation. So in general, of course, it's important to cook your meat, your food. Be careful with unpasteurized dairy products, and especially the ones, the people, the populations with a weak immune system or uh, pregnant mothers, the elderly, people living with HIV, people living with cancer are at high risk, and they should be especially careful of how they process their food and what they eat. Could you tell me 
how many people are affected and in what regions? Nearly two-thirds of the cases we have been reported are from the Gauteng province, which is where Joburg and Pretoria are. We have a total of now 748 laboratory-confirmed cases, but again, this is difficult because many cases may not be even reported. The cases come from all socioeconomic backgrounds, so it's not something you could only limit to, let's say, the poor. What is the reason that there's suddenly this large number of people being affected? That is very difficult to know, and that is the problem. So luckily, or as a good step actually, South Africa has implemented some very important measures. It has made listeriosis a notifiable disease. So every patient who shows up at a health center as a, at a clinic with these symptoms and has, is being diagnosed as listeriosis will have to be reported, and that's important. Because listeriosis is such a real big challenge because it's not only the health sector which is involved. It involves all sectors. It involves the food industry, the farming, and to find the source is really difficult simply because the incubation period is so long. Is the WHO happy with the collaboration with the Ministry of Health in South Africa? South Africa is taking good steps right now. As far as we can see, but we offered our help. And if the ministry agrees, we would uh, support with food safety and, and outbreak experts to support the government in any further steps. As the WHO spokesperson in Geneva, Christiane Lindmeyer, speaking to UN Radio's Bronwyn Cowley. President of South Africa's governing African National Congress, Sil Ramaphosa, says unity and renewal will be the priority of the new ANC leadership. He was delivering his maiden January 8th statement in celebration of the party's 106th anniversary at the APSA Stadium in East London. The festivities were attended by his predecessor Jacob Zuma, Kenya's president Uhuru Kenyatta, and Rabonia trialist Andrew Mlangeni, amongst others. Ndebo Mukobo has more. Singing their hearts out, ANC supporters simply saying, Rise Ramaphosa, the time is closer. The 13th ANC president, Cyril Ramaphosa, received a warm welcome from the packed APSA stadium, and as planned, the ANC president took to the podium at exactly 11 o'clock, something that Ramaphosa said is a demonstration that things have changed, and that the ANC is now taking people seriously by respecting time. This year, we started our celebrations on time. And this is a clear signal that is in Ziashinja. The National Executive Committee at its first meeting also started on time. Nelson Mandela would have been very pleased to see that in starting our things on time, we respect our people. From now on, when we say we will start a meeting, at a particular time, that meeting must start without fail. That is what the ANC should be showing as an example going forward. The 2018 January 8th celebrations were dedicated to former President Nelson Mandela, who would have been 100 years old this year. And Ramaphosa says they will work to emulate Madiba's legacy of selflessness. This year, we shall intensify our efforts to realize Madiba's vision of a united South Africa in which all live in peace with equal rights and opportunities. We shall place at the top of our agenda Madiba's vision of a non-sexist society in which the oppression and exploitation of women is eradicated. Rocked by divisions and factionalism, which has seen a dip in the party support in the province, reflected in the 2016 local government election results, the ANC has now embarked on a mission to revive and unite itself. The governing party has declared the year 2018 the year of renewal, unity and jobs. And in his inaugural January 8th statement address, ANC President Cyril Ramaphosa says they have no choice but to immediately embark on a program to rebuild the organization. The ANC's 54th National Conference recognized that the movement has become deeply divided through patronage 
and through competition for resources. The leaders of your movement were continuously in conflict. Structures of the movement, we found that they had been weakened and the confidence of the people of our country had actually been eroded. We found that this had led to a social distance between the elected leaders and the electorate and had damaged the bond between the ANC and the masses of our people. And with state-owned enterprises identified as key in achieving a developmental state, the ANC president says corruption in state-owned entities and other public institutions is undermining government's program to address poverty and unemployment. We want enterprises such as ESCOM, such as PRASA, such as Transnet, to be state-owned enterprises that we can all be proud of. The ANC therefore welcomes the announcement by President Jacob Zuma on the establishment of a commission of inquiry in line with the public protector's report on state capture. The president has also vowed to ensure the full implementation of all the resolutions adopted at the party's 54th National Congress with the year 2018 coinciding with the 105th year of the 1913 Land Act which stripped black people of their land. Ramaphosa says they will fast-track the expropriation of land without compensation, insisting that the party's resolution will not inhibit food security and production. We should implement a comprehensive approach to land reform, and this is going to be our important task this year, to improve agricultural development and accelerate the redistribution of land to all our people. The NEC will develop proposals with regard to how expropriation of land will be implemented, taking into account all the things that are important, such as the growth of our economy, agricultural production, as well as food security. The contents of the January 8th statement will form the basis of the State of the Nation address to be presented by President Jacob Zuma next month. After the presentation of the January 8th statement, after the presentation of the January 8th statement, the ANC will now move to hold a national executive committee next week to nominate members of the National Working Committee and members of other subcommittees. These are the engine room of the party ensuring its day-to-day running operations. I am Tebomokobi in East London. South Africa's governing ANC and its alliance partners have welcomed party president Cyril Ramaphosa's 1st January 8th statement, saying it goes to the heart of issues facing South Africans. Ramaphosa delivered his address to a packed APSA stadium in East London in the Eastern Cape province. Mbalisibanyoni has more. jubilant and happy crowd. This after Cyril Ramaphosa was elected the new ANC president, but it was not long before they expressed their dissatisfaction with the former leader and current president of the Republic, Jacob Zuma. His name was mentioned and placed on the big screen, and his late arrival caught the attention of the current chairperson, Gwede Mandashe, saying to President Zuma that there's a new man in charge and late coming won't be tolerated and subsequently booed when acknowledged by Mandashe. Jacob Zuma. The irony, the crowd cheered every time his counterpart Uhuru Kenyatta was mentioned. And comrade, and comrade Uhuru Kenyatta, the president of Kenya. Moving to the contents of Ramaphosa's address, the SACP national chairperson, Senzeni Zokwana, says now that the alliance is headed by a new president, they need to continue to support him and efforts need to be made to unite the Communist Party, Kasatu and Sanko. As our alliance partners, we need to appreciate our own obligations and tasks that we need to perform, other than to wait, to wait and point fingers at the African National Congress. The ANC is us. The ANC is part of us. 
as a leader of the alliance, we must never allow again a situation where we create personality cults and we follow leaders as if we, they become the organization that already suffers. Former ANC Treasury General William Kize says with the January 8th statement which was delivered by President Zamaphosa, it gives a clear direction on the problems he will be tackling in the near future. I think the ANC has done well coming out of conference. What has been good from the conference is that the delegates took it upon themselves to unite the ANC. They defied this late and pulled leaders as they saw them and created a broad, diverse leadership of the ANC that's going to be able to take the organization forward. The disagreements, the diverse views are an internal issue. The ANC will always have that. It must be managed internally. NEC member and finance minister Malusi Kikaba says he's glad that the statement also prioritized the economy. It is quite an extensive speech that addresses itself to all aspects of human life, from human capital development to social transformation, issues of radical socio-economic transformation, fighting corruption. The speech dedicated a lot of attention to the fight against corruption, improving the capability of the state, creating, developing or forging the integrity for the state and ensuring that we build a united African National Congress. And the ANC is the only basis on which we can be able to implement all of these programs because without without a united ANC, we have no unity of purpose, we have no unity of mission, we also have no unity of action that is going to ensure that all ANC members in all the provinces, in all the municipalities, focus on the singular tasks of addressing the unemployment of of our people, especially the youth. ANC-NEC member and former KZN Premier Senzum Tunu also weighed in on this year's January 8th statement, saying it was well received by party members and South Africans. The theme was uh, unity but also economic growth that will produce jobs. This is how we felt so that we speak to ourselves as the ANC but we also speak to the greater public in South Africa. And these are the main issues because a divided ANC can't make progress, can't make the country progress. But if we forget the country as a whole and merely concentrate on ourselves, they wouldn't have been balanced. These supporters who attended the rally told the SABC News that they were satisfied with Ramaphosa's address. He came up with the repairs, with the repairing plans of the organization and he stressed uh, strongly on the honesty and is uh, speaking against corruption. It is important to unite, especially in terms of the leadership, from the leadership bottom, because if you can't unite the leadership, then you cannot unite the bottom. I a lot of hope in the president and a lot of trust in the president. Viva Cyril Ramaphosa, viva. Real work now begins for the ANC as next week the party is expected to hold an NEC meeting where they will elect the National Working Committee, discuss the current issues that are of a challenge to the ANC, such as the court cases of the two provinces, KZN and the Free State. Many will also expect the ANC to talk about their former president's future. Ambali Sibanyoni in East London. Hi, I'm Pule Mulebazi, the presenter of the Albinism Report, a program that demystifies myths and mysticism on albinism, highlighting challenges and achievements of people with albinism. Tune into the Albinism Report on the following times, Monday, 5 past 9 in the morning to quarter to 10 Central African time, and from 5 past 10 to quarter to 11 Central African time. Tuesday at 5 past 2 in the morning to quarter to 3 Central African time. The Albinism Report, an enlightened narrative with me, Ule Mulebati, on Channel Africa from an African perspective.
Economic Freedom Fighters leader Julius Malema says the party is unapologetic about protests at H&M stores across the country. Videos circulating on social media show EFF members protesting outside H&M stores before trashing them in apparent retaliation to an online advertisement by the clothing company. Police have confirmed that all H&M stores in Gauteng have been closed following the incident. Speaking to party supporters at Westenburg in Limpopo province, Malema said the EFF was simply teaching H&M a lesson. Witness Diva reports. Hundreds of EFF supporters from the Capricorn region packed the Western Bay Community Hall in Pulukwanem. The party's commander-in-chief, Julius Malima, started his address by telling party supporters why the entire party leadership was in Limpopo. Malima said they were summoned by the ZCC's bishop, Barnabas Lekhanyanem. He says the bishop encouraged them to continue being a strong opposition party in the country. Barnabas Lekhanyanem, who wanted to be the leadership of the EFF today. We are from a meeting with the bishop. So when you touch my hand, you must be very careful because you touch the bishop. Because the EFF and the church are in the same WhatsApp group. The EFF doesn't fight the church. We spoke with the bishop and the church on issues of the land. Because the church has got very keen interest on this matter of the land. The church went further to appreciate the work that the EFF is doing. And they made an emphasis that the strong opposition will make the ruling party be held accountable and act responsibly. Malima was quick to react on a move by party members to shut down H&M stores across the country. He also says they don't regret shutting down some H&M stores after the company used an advert of a black child wearing a hoodie return, the coolest monkey in the jungle. He says the move is an indication that EFF is resolute in its fight against racism. We make no apology about what the fighters did today against that store called H&M. All over South Africa, H&M stores are closed because they called our children baboons. So we are teaching them a lesson. I don't today or Because we are not going to allow anyone to use the color of our skin to humiliate us, to exclude us. We are black, we are proud. He also took a swipe at the newly elected ANC president Cyril Ramaphosa for spending 18 million rand on a buffalo in 2012. Malima accused the ANC leader of not having the interests of people at heart. He says the transaction happened despite some communities still living in abject poverty. Malima also criticized some ANC supporters who turned the purchase of the buffalo into a joke. How do you vote an immoral president like Cyril Ramaphosa who buys a buffalo for 18 million? Today they make it a joke. They even call him a buffalo. They are not sensitive to the poor. That which Cyril did in a country where we've got extremely poor people in the ANC is a joke. They are encouraging him to buy more buffaloes for 18 million, for 20 million, when in Venda, where he comes from, people drink water with animals. The DA, which is in a coalition with the EFF in some metros in the country, was also not spared. Malima says one of the DA mayors will soon be removed by the EFF. We are not friends with the DA. Uh-uh. We are voting with them in human municipalities against this corrupt people. It doesn't make us friends. Uh-uh. Very soon, we must, Deputy President, we must remove one mayor of DA just for control.
we must demonstrate to DA that we are not friends with them. Because sometimes they think we're friends. And we know very well who they represent. When they say why, we say no, we just want to show them we are not friends. Malima reiterated that his party has always agitated for expropriation of land without compensation and free education. He also stated that the recently held November regional conference will be rerun because the party's guidelines on conferences were not followed. Witness Tiva Polokwane. Our headlines up next with Jalani Tulo. Thank you, Lulu. Making headlines, the African Union has demanded an apology from U.S. President Donald Trump over his alleged use of vulgar language to describe African countries. Four soldiers have been killed in an attack on Sunday near the main Kananga airport in Kasai in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And finally, authorities in Iraq say at least 16 people have been killed in a double suicide bomb attack in the center of the capital, Baghdad. For Channel Africa, I'm Jolani Tulo. Channel Africa. Kulta njoi Adi Sababa. Africa rise and shine. I am Hilda Kekeloa in Zambia. This is Simon Muchemwa in Harare, Zimbabwe. Jean-Noël Bamwisi, Channel Africa, Kinshasa. From an African perspective, listen to Channel Africa in English, Kiswahili, French, Silozi, Portuguese, and Chinyanja. This is Moki Kinzeka. In Yaoundi. Informing the world about Africa. In Lesotho. And I am Diana Wanyonyi for Channel Africa in Mombasa. It's 8.31 Central African time and you're listening to Africa Rise and Shine. We're coming to you live from Johannesburg in South Africa. Zanzibar's President Ali Mohamed Shane has urged citizens to maintain unity and peace, which enabled the island to gain admirable achievements in the past 54 years of independence. During the Zanzibar Revolution celebrations on Friday, President Shane also announced that his government will offer free education from primary to secondary schools from July 2018. Channel Africa's Gabriel Zakaria reports from Zanzibar. The Zanzibar Revolution led to the overthrow of the Sultan of Zanzibar and his mainly Arab-dominated government by local African revolutionaries on January 12, 1964. Zanzibar is an ethnically diverse state and it consists of a number of islands off the east coast of Tanzania mainland that had been granted independence by Britain in 1963. The current education policy of Zanzibar says parents or guardians must pay for the school educations and services, but during his speech at Amman National Stadium, President Shane told the gathering free education will start in the ISO from July this year. Kwanza mwezi Julai mwaka 2018 kutekeleza azma ya kuurudisha tena utaratibu wa kutoa elimu bure katika shule sekondari ili kutekeleza lengo la mapendekezo You have been contributing for the education from primary school to secondary school and this is according to our education policy but from July this year all you parents will not pay for your pupils or your students all the burden of education will be carried by the revolutionary government. We want to show you that the revolutionary had a great meaning to us Zanzibaris. Remember that all services have been improved, including health sector. Since we have improved the number of doctors and nurses, we believe that the services of health will keep on improving every time to make sure that you are getting an excellent service of health from the family level to the national level. Zanzibar 
A total of 13 development projects worth billions of shillings which will be implemented by both public and private institutions were also launched at the Revolutionary Eve attended by the United Republic of Tanzania President Dr. John Magufuli, Vice President Samia Sulu Hassan and Prime Minister Kasim Majaliwa to mention a few. Kuhusu ujenzi wa bandari mpigaduri ujenzi wake utaanza baada swala la mkopo wa ujenzi as you may recall that we have the big project of Mpigaduri port. This is an important port we are planning to build in a short time. This port will be of helpful to all the people of Zanzibar from the Unguja and Ipemba. And as you know that many projects are underway now. And as much as we keep on receiving the funds from our development partners, we will make sure that all the projects that are pending should be started and those which are underway should be completed on time as it is planned. We don't want to keep promises that we cannot fulfill. All promises, including water projects, should be fulfilled during my leadership. A total of 74 people, some of whom are dead, were awarded with the medals by President Al-Mohamed Shein as per Section 4 of 1993 Presidential Affairs Law. Among those, 43 were awarded the Mapinduzi Medal, an award given to people who contributed towards political development of Zanzibar either through the revolution struggle or otherwise and 31 have received the exemplary civilian service medals for their outstanding service to the country. This year's celebrations closed a bit earlier midday so as to give people an opportunity to attend Friday prayers and some activities that had been witnessed during Revolutionary Day were not performed in this year in order to let people to have the chance to attend their prayers. 90% of the Zanzibaris are Muslims believers and the rest are Christians. Reporting for Channel Africa in Zanzibar, this is Gabriel Zakaria. Prince Seiso Bereng of Lesotho will be among the honoured guests at the momentous British royal wedding. He will get to celebrate the prestigious occasion as his friend Prince Harry, the younger of the two sons of Prince Charles and Princess Diana, marries movie star Meghan Merkel in May. Prince Harry and Prince Seiso share strong ties which have extended to multiple charity projects and business opportunities in Lesotho. Rapelang Khadeb reports from Maseru. This man fell in love with you. A rare bond between a tiny mountain kingdom and the Great Britain. Yeah, most of it's about education because even if they do come back, even if they return back... To Brought the together by the two members of the royal family from two ends of the globe. Basic primary education. I mean, if, if that could be done. Prince Harry's passion for Lesotho has earned him a special place in many Basotho's hearts. Prince Seiso Berin Seiso says... When he first came, we, we gave him uh, a name, a family name called Mahali. So in his, in his, in his, in his, in his raft of names, uh, Mahali is sitting somewhere, uh, and that's our Lesotho name, in, re- in recognizing and accepting him into Lesotho, not only into Lesotho, but into the family, as a family member. Prince Seiso introduced a then 19-year-old young Prince Harry to charity work in Lesotho, partly to escape growing global media attention on him, but also to discover and pave his own way of life. Prince Harry grew very fond of Lesotho, many even thinking he might find love in the mountain kingdom. You think we didn't do enough to present our own? How I many came by, passed quite fine ladies. You think we didn't do enough? I reserve my comment on that one. <laughs> Following many visits and deliberations, Prince Harry felt the need to raise awareness about neglected young shepherd boys in Lesotho who could never have had a shot at basic education. <laughs> Resources were mobilized to realize this dream, and out of many projects, Centabale remains much closer to Prince Harry's heart. I just, I love children, but coming out here is different. I mean, you come out here, you see children everywhere. There's just 
hundreds of children up in the hills here. There's eight, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds looking after cattle. Um, their only means of protection is rocks, you know. And the nicest thing out here is they don't know who I am. I'm just a normal guy to them, which is really, really nice. Something so special to be one of them. But despite many countries' willingness to extend a helping hand, Prince Seiso believes not enough is done to implement proposed plans. Prince Seiso continues. In the planning, we are great. We can talk the high English where we convince them, somebody that we need the support. But once that support is on our front yard, we never, we never use it. Now, what's the problem? Lesotho, I believe, Lesotho is small enough for a change to be seen within a very short time. For now, all eyes will be on Prince Harry as he prepares to walk down the aisle and Prince Seiso's VIP seat is already confirmed. That day, an invitation apparently is on the way, but you know these invitations, they sometimes they either bring, bring them on, 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 in a stagecoach or on boats or whatever, but we will be there uh, 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 in, in May. The two gentlemen have shared many moments together, both for business or leisure. Prince Seiso keeps the friendship close to his heart. Friendships are, are, are a very funny thing. I mean, they're, they're those things that we, we, we dare not even whisper to, to the media because you guys uh, exploit, exploit those, those, those little chinks in, in the armor. Prince Seiso seemed very pleased with his friend's choice of wife-to-be. But you guys, I mean, you, 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 you tend to want to write the script for Harry. I mean, Harry has shown himself to be uniquely different in many ways. So I, I wasn't at all surprised when I began to see a, a, a keener interest in this particular lady. He's always wanted somebody who is a partner, is a friend, and is somebody who can continue to allow him to be ignited in the passions that he has, especially in, 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 in global uh, matters, uh, uh, matters of, of, of charity, etc., amongst the children and other concerns. So I think he, he, met, he, he met his match. Uh, 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 so, but the script that seemingly was written in the stars for him or the royal family or his brother to marry from a certain uh, group or category, I think Harry has always shown that he is not shackled by that. So I'm happy for him. Congratulations have been pouring in from the moment Prince Harry's engagement was announced and many Basutu have asked Prince Seiso to extend their regards. Ancient rock shelters that are home to some of the oldest cave paintings in Africa have enormous potential to help bring thousands more tourists to Somalia and Somaliland. As according to the top envoy who heads the UN assistant mission in Somalia, UNSOM, Michael Keating, standing inside the extraordinary cave formations of Las Gao on the outskirts of Hagesa, he pointed to some of the cave art dating back thousands of years, describing it as a valuable resource for the whole world. But it was also important for Somalis themselves to realize that despite decades of conflict, they live in a cradle of civilization with a proud history, he added. Keating was in the region calling for calm and dialogue. And we're in one of uh, the greatest archaeological sites in the Horn of Africa called Lascale, uh, which is a set of caves distinguished by the rock art. And what you have is wonderful rock art, mostly of cows. There are a few uh, people and dogs and wolves and other animals. We've seen an elephant and a couple of giraffes, which are indicative of the kind of life that was lived here five to ten thousand years ago which is utterly different to what we can see today interestingly there are no camels depicted so we had a different culture and this is a place where you get some sense of the you know just how ancient this part of the world is and it was only really properly discovered 
by at least uh, archaeologists about 20 years ago. Now, Mr Keating, in terms of uh, this sort of a site and perceptions of this part of the world, Somalia or Somaliland, the first thing that comes to mind isn't really archaeological, historically rich sites. So what's it say to you about the potential of a place like this? Well, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to come here is because it's good to be reminded that the image of this part of the world is about conflict, despair and suffering, and yet it's also one of the cradles of civilization. Many Somalis, people of Somali uh, ethnicity, don't necessarily know this themselves. So while it's a, a resource for the world, it's also very important for Somalis to know that they are living in a land with... Uh, great uh, history and traditions and that is changing and that is dynamic. I'd be interested to know whether the history of this kind of place is, is in the national curriculum or in the local curriculum. I suspect it probably isn't and maybe should be. So it's a way of reconnecting with the past, with roots and seeing a different side of the story. Mr Keating, a site like this normally in even younger sites in, in Turkey or Greece would lead to lots of employment to be kind of structured in terms of access for example like that <clears throat> so do you think this could also point to some potential long term for this part of the world if they were able to sort of sort things out and have a stream of tourists visiting well you know the interesting thing is they i've been told by the director of uh, tourism and antiquities who's kindly come with us today that they've already got a lot of tourists, I mean, uh, a couple of hundred a month from all over the world. He was saying they come from China, from Europe, from from different parts of uh, Somaliland and, and Somalia, different parts of Africa, from Canada, the U.S. That's Michael Keating from the U.N. Assistance Mission in Somalia, UNSOM, speaking to U.N. Radio's Ari Gaitanis. It is 8.46 and our economics update up next with Tabi Solohoko. Good morning. Zambia anticipates enhanced revenue collection from the mining sector this year due to bullish copper prices. On the London Metal Exchange, currently fetching above 7,000 US dollars per ton. Zambia Revenue Authority says Commissioner General Kingsley Chanda says the provisional income tax returns already submitted by mining indicate that the authority is poised to collect more revenue from the sector. Chanda said at a media briefing that it was sad to note that some mining companies had never declared a profit for the past 15 years. The government of Lesotho has identified manufacturing, tourism, technology and agriculture as the four pillars that will drive economic growth under the second National Strategic Development Plan. This was said by Minister of Development Planning, Kuhelang Aumani, during a workshop on the NSDP in Rhodesi in the Liribe this week. Lesotho's five-year NSDP program ended in 2017, and the second one is expected to run for five years. The Liribe workshop is one of a series of seminars which are being held in all of the country's 10 districts as part of efforts to develop the NSDP. South Africa's opposition DA has accused the chair of the Standing Committee on Finance, Yunus Karim, of deliberately delaying a calling retail giant Steinhoff International Holdings to Parliament to answer its accounting irregularities. The matter became public last year. A DA's spokesperson on finance, David Mania, says he has since written to Karim to confirm the date on which Steinhoff is scheduled to appear before Parliament in what he calls snowballing. Mania says he wrote to Karim early in December last year to ask him to consider scheduling a public hearing with the Steinhoff pertaining to the scandal. A German automaker Volkswagen plans to double output at its Kenyan assembly plant and could build a second model there. VW set up the vehicle assembly plant in 2016, resuming production in Kenya after a four-decade break. The plant has started by assembling VW's Vivo model, Vivo model. The presidential office of Kenya says the president Uhuru Kenyatta was told by VW South Africa chief officer Thomas Schaffer 
that the firm was exploring producing a second model in Kenya, possibly a hatchback, small SUV, while a Dublin production of the VW Polo Vivo to at least 300 vehicles. The US dollar trades at 12.34 in South Africa. It's at 9.68 in Botswana and at 9.79 in Zambia. It's also trading at 72 pence to the British pound, 81 cents to the euro. Gold trades at $1,340, platinum $994 an ounce. The price of Brent crude oil is at $69.88 a barrel. It's Channel Africa. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorza. Africa, Amuka na Unai. A sports update up next with Figile Lingwati. First up in our sports update this hour, betting off with cricket news. Protea's fast bowler Lungingiti described making his test debut for South Africa against India in front of his home crowd at Super Sports Park in Centurion in South Africa's capital, Pretoria, as a dream come true at Stumps on day two. India will resume today morning on 183 for five in reply to South Africa's 335 in the first innings. Ngeti, who picked up a wicket and completed a run out on debut, says he's pleased with his performance but believes he could have done better. And on to local football, South African Premiership side, Free State Stars head coach Luke Email has confirmed that the signing of Central African Republic international player Hilary Momi is imminent. A 27-year-old striker, Momi, has been training with the club since the start of the year. Momi played in Belgian and Scotland leagues and recently plied his trade with RFC Serene in Belgium's first amateur division. Stars signed attacking midfielder Harris Chilimabu from Brazzaville, Congo. The player scored his first goal for the side on Saturday night against Cape Town City, helping his club beat City 1-0. It's okay or not, we find an agreement. Yeah, you know, we open a space for Florenia, so we visit Florenia. They play in Belgium, they play in Scotland, they play, uh, you know, uh, if you Google his name, you will see. He play in Portugal, you know, but um, last season he didn't, didn't play a lot, but uh, okay. I hope uh, he will um, uh, give us uh, good help and he will show me good things at the training. So, yes, I think with his eye, that's what we need a bit also. And on to motor racing, Stefan Peter Hansel won Sunday's eighth stage of the ongoing Dakar rally from Uyuni to Tupiza in Bolivia. A day after suspension failure dealt the Frenchman a crushing blow to his title hopes. Peter Hansel, bidding for a third successive triumph on four wheels, lost almost two hours to Spain at Carol Sainz on Saturday when he ground to a halt after hitting a stone while trying to pass another competitor. But the 52-year-old shook off the setback to finish Sunday's 498-kilometer run in five hours, 15 minutes, and 18 seconds, less than a minute ahead of compatriot and Peugeot's teammate Cyril Despray. Qatar's Nassar Al-Itia was 2 minutes, 12 seconds behind in third in his Toyota, but 2010 champion Saints still leads by over an hour despite trailing home in fifth place. And on to tennis news, Britain's Kyle Edmond knocked out U.S. Open finalist Kevin Anderson in a five-set thriller at the Australian Open today. The 49th ranked Edmond, who lost to 11th seeded Anderson in five sets in the third round at last year's French Open, toughed out at 6-7, 6-3, 3-6, 6-3 and 6-4 win in almost four hours. It is only the second time he has reached the second round in Melbourne, while South African Anderson, who lost in 2017 Flushing Meadows final to Rafael Nadal, had made the round of 16 in Australia three times. The victory set Edmond up with a second round encounter with Uzbek Jennyman, Dennis Eastermin, 
Edmond is the only British man in the main draw after five times finalist Andy Murray pulled out with a hip injury. Finally, Golf News England's Chris Paisley enlisted his wife as Katie, then claimed the first European Tour win over his career at the South African Open in Johannesburg yesterday. A 31-year-old, well number 289, had six birdies in a six-under final round of 66 to finish three shots clear of South Africa's Brendan Grace. With Paisley's regular Katie on holiday, his wife Kerry stepped in. Paisley's win will see him climb to a career-high ranking just outside the top 120. That's a sport news this hour. Africa, rise and shine. Africa, Zorka. Africa, Amuka na Unai. Recapping our top stories in Africa Rise and Shine at this hour, South Africa records largest Listeria outbreak ever and Zanzibar marks 54th Revolution Day. That wraps up Africa Rise and Shine today. For myself, Lulu Gabu, producers Pumutora Magaza and Tutungobeni, technical producer Mario Edwards and the rest of the team, thank you for joining us. For comments about our show, send us an email at info at channelafrica.ca.za or tweet us at RiseShineAfrica or send an SMS on 277-969-57930. Are taking us to the top of the hour for the news on the frequency 7230 kHz on the 41-meter band to Southern Africa is Murwa with a song, ti- with a, a song titled Murwa by Jonas Sigwangwa. Mm-hmm.